Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Joe Netter. Now, I met Joe Netter up at FDIC. I spent about four seconds with him and fell in love with the guy, right? So Joe Netter is a passionate and inspirational instructor, and he joined the fire service in 1977. That's the year that Star Wars came out, by the way, just to kind of date the whole thing. And he started on a small rural volunteer department. He became an instructor with the Massachusetts Fire Academy, where he developed and implemented a firefighter one and two program for volunteers and on-call firefighters. Now, Joe has been attending the FDIC every year for 25 years, and he has taught at the FDIC every year since 2010. Now, you probably know Joe from his, his numerous articles that he wrote in Fire Engineering Magazine in the Volunteer Corner, and he's also authored two books, Rapid Intervention Crews, Jones and Bartlett, which I read and I didn't realize you did that, and Managing Risk and Volunteer Fire Departments, Concepts, Methods, and Practices for Fire Engineering Books. Now, he's a self-described disciple of risk management. Netter's on a mission to spread the word of continuous, meaningful training and to make it safe and work effectively as a firefighter. Brother Joe Netter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jake. I'm very, very honored to be here. Very now, honored. I, I, here's how humble you are. I, and I just brought this up before we start recording. Um, you left off an award you got this year at FDIC. You got the George D. Post Award, yeah. right? And I, I think you're the only volunteer to ever get that award. Is that right? Yeah. As far as we can figure out, I am the only volunteer or at least active volunteer uh, to ever, ever receive it. And a lot of the, a lot of the people who received the award, people like Salker and stuff started as volunteers, mm -hmm. but they, their award was for their career uh, uh, achievements. So this, wow, that, that's not a bad group to be in, is it? Be with yeah. Salker? <clears throat> <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's still, I'm still pinching myself going, did it really happen? But yeah, it's <laughs> now, a big step. Oh, it's a big step. Oh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And that, again, that's where I met you. I tried to, I did interview you, but my recording skills was horrible. So you, you, you know, you promised you'd be on here, which I'm sure the sound's going to be a lot better. Now you said you, <clears throat> excuse me, you started back in 1977 what got you started in the fire service and what kept you in the fire service? Um, I guess I, I, was, I was living in this small town. I knew a bunch of the people and we were all friends. And it turned out they were all, it was just a little bitty fire department and they were all in the fire department. And they said, oh, you got to join. Eh, I don't know. Oh, come on. It's a lot of fun. And I said, all right. So I went, you know, and it, it's not anything like it is today. It was it was very social, shall we say? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, now, hold really, on. What do you mean by very social? That that sounded like you're kind of winking at me a little bit. <laughs> a little more party. Yeah, this is back in the days where uh, there there might be a, 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 a what we called an icebox drill at the end of every <laughs> at the ever at the end of every drill. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'd go out, we'd pump water, we'd do something, raise ladders, or you know, things like that. Uh, have meetings, and then socialize afterwards. The the at the time there were no women on the fire department, but right. a lot of the members were, were married, 
and the wives started to interact. And it was actually really nice because um, having been new to the community, my wife was able to meet a lot of people, a lot of people with children, and uh, the department did stuff for families. So it was it, it kind of bonded us together. And not to digress, but I want to make this point. I think one of the problems today with the volunteer and on-call and smaller combination is they're not involving the families. And when the families aren't involved, they're wondering what's going on up at that fire station, what's going on at the fire hall, why are they taking so long, and they don't like it. Whereas if they felt that bond as we do, mm -hmm. it might surely help. You know, you yeah. say that, and that is such an amazing thing. And I believe it's Jacob Johnson, down, uh, chief down in Pearland, Texas, that um, I believe, I hope I'm right on this one. He writes letters to all the spouses to his firefighters. Really? Uh, yeah, thanking them, you know, and, and how important they are. And, you know, it's uh, the word brotherhood and sisterhood is mm -hmm. tossed around. So I recently just got back from in Callowit, Canada, up in the Arctic. And it's a smaller department. But their chief, and matter of fact, they're after yours, I believe I will have the chief on the podcast. I've already recorded it. Uh, but he said there's brotherhood and there's sisterhood, but really it's family, you know. Yes. And, and when he said that, I was kind of like, wow, that's that's really it kind of hits it home. And it goes right to what you're saying. If yep. we were to include our families into our family, I think that would make the job even better. It would. It would very, very much. And it was a big part of it. You know, I, I was with that department for some years. And what really got me going, though, was I loved it. I, I, my, I remember my first fire. I loved it. And um, then, then something very dangerous happened. I started taking training outside of the fire department. Oh How my dare goodness. you? Oh dear eyes, right. That's right. What what do you what do you need to know all that stuff for, kid? What are you gonna do? Throw books at the fire? <laughs> I'm telling you, I heard this stuff. And I um but it didn't matter to me. And I really got into it. And um I became a sponge, a fire a firefighting sponge and absorbed everything. I took all the classes I could. I worked to better myself and um and it just kept getting better and better for me. Eventually, they made me the training officer, and I did that. And that's when I hitched up with the um, the fire academy, and, and that was kind of different in the way I got into it. I took a class, and the instructor came up to me after the class and said, "You know, you should work here." And you know, again, being small town, I said to myself, "You know, thank you very much," and left. Ironically, two or three weeks later, I'm standing in line at a, at a coffee store, buying a cup of coffee, and who's behind me? The same guy. And he says, you're Joe, aren't you? I go, yeah. He goes, when are you going to put your application in to come work for us? Hmm. So I, at that point, I promised him, and, and I got his phone number, and I went through the process and got the cert certifications I needed and all that bit. And I worked for them for 16-plus years, and, and it, wow. was, it was great experience. That's where I got involved in rapid intervention. And that what really got you started down that path? Was it around the same time as Brett Tarver or after Brett Tarver? Or did it, you have it, your own it, thing? Yeah, we had we had the December 3rd, 1999, uh, the Worcester Warehouse fire. I, I knew one of the guys who perished. Oh, yeah. I actually was on a, a, a task force that was brought in that night so to relieve the Worcester Fire Department members. And uh, we, I worked the fire from like nine at night till... 
I don't know, six, seven in the morning and working. It was nothing more than is pumping and pumping and pumping and feeding the master streams and trying to cool the building down so they could get in at it. So after that happened, um, you know, we all knew the word wrapping it. We knew the word Rick. Right. What do we know about Rick? We knew you throw a bunch of tools into a Stokes basket and if someone gets in trouble, go and get them. That was the extent of it. Yeah. So there was a, there was a chief out here still around, but he's retired many years named Dick Schaefer. And Dick was connected to Chicago um, in the Chicago Fire Department. And I can't remember what the connection was, but Dick was the chief of Lawrence, Massachusetts, which at the time was the the fire capital of the country, more fires per capita than any other city in the U.S. And they were mostly arson. He approached our state fire marshal and said, you got to get these two guys, Bobby Hoff and Rick Colomay out here. So they researched it and they hired him. And, you know, you talk about everything aligning. Next thing you know, I get a phone call from the academy going, Joe, are you available next? Whatever. Fill in the date. Yeah, why? He goes, these two guys, Colomay and Hoff, are coming in. Would you pick them up at the airport and get them settled and become the liaison? We're going to be doing rapid intervention, which I'd already signed up for. I said, sure. Well, we hit it off. We hit it off tremendously. And every time they came out, I helped liaison them but we became very close personal friends they've um, they've been to my home many times uh ricky got married a few years ago we were, jan and i went to the wedding i i keep in touch with bobby there's a, a third guy uh, a lot of people don't know his name his name is pat lynch pat's a retired lieutenant out of chicago and he he's he's a he's a fire god he really is a fire god <laughs> and I learned Bigger than Joe Natter? Come on now. Oh, man, this guy, this guy can inspire. They all did. But what I learned really quick was if someone in my department or a department I was mutual aiding to got in trouble, we didn't have the skills, the knowledge, or the capabilities to attempt to save that member's life. And this lit a fire under my butt big time. The second thing I learned was that I was in such poor shape I couldn't do about 30% of the drills, maybe 40% of the drills, because it was strength needed. Right. Well, that set me, I mean, it was embarrassing, because here I am, a fire academy instructor out there taking this class, and you know I'm, I'm one of the members of that class who can't physically do the job correctly. So that changed, that was an eye-opening moment, and it inspired me, and I got myself into much better shape. And I went on to teach that for the academy as the, um, I was the unofficial lead instructor of the class. Most of the classes, they, they designated me as the lead guy because I was so into it. Right. Um, I, I, and it just, just went from there. So with all the, you were there, you know, basically when, when Rit became Rit. So for me, yeah. I remember when, when Brett Tarver went down, uh, yes. and we lost the brother, uh, and it, it became two in, two out was yep. kind of the predecessor for Ritter Rick. And then Ritter Rick started rolling around. W what big difference when you started with Ritter Rick to today, what, what are the biggest changes that you have seen? So I just got to say one thing too, for all our friends in the greater New York area, we will include fast, at least for this conversation. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> a little, little humor there, man. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm writ, I'm writ all the way, even though the book says RIC. Um, yeah. the big changes were when we started, 
we the the, the word rapid was hammered into us, hammered and hammered and hammered. Get the member out, get, or whether it was via stair, via window, via ladder. There was no red air packs. There were none. So if we were lucky, we'd grab a, another SCBA, throw it in a gym bag or something, and drag that in with us. If we didn't have that, and the guy was out of air, you'd pull, you'd pull the regulator out of his mask, better than letting him suffocate within his mask. Mm-hmm. So that was a very, very big thing. Um, and it, the other big thing with it was that all the skills were all like in one big grouping. For instance, the Nance drill. Nance drill is labor intense. Guy goes through the floor, gal goes through the floor. You're talking six, eight people to really affect that rescue, and it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work in a lot of fire departments in the U.S., but it was included, and that was okay. We emphasized a lot the Denver drill. And since then, people have gotten away from the Denver drill saying, eh, that's not going to happen. That was in an old filing cabinet room and all that. Who cares? There are no file cabinets. We don't need it. Really? Well, we have, at least in New England, I know, we have homes that have what's called a doghouse dormer on it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And doghouse dormers are only three feet or so wide, and there's a very small window at the end. If that's the only way out to get the guy out, you're going to be using the Denver drill. Yep. The third thing that I saw in the beginning was we were having a hard time getting people to buy in. We were hearing the, I don't got enough people to put out the fire, yet alone uh, do rapid intervention. So right. it was real big struggle, big, big, big struggle, Jake, to get people to buy in. Now, we've gone from the buy-in way up, and all of a sudden it's become ho-hum again. And I see a lot of the interest coming down. I don't know what you see on that, but people aren't as fired up about it anymore. No, uh, that's one of my big passions is writ. Um, having been part of a line of duty death uh, back in Whoa. the 90s. So oh I understand the importance of writ. I know how boring it can be sometimes, but it's only boring if you make it boring. For example, a that's good right. writ team, in my opinion, uh, there's a lot they can do. Throw ladders on every second flight. For me yep. personally, there should be a ladder at every window, second story or above, every one, and thrown at a shallow angle because yep. it's easier than a steep angle. That's number one. Number two, they could be uh, eyes and ears for the IC. They can make constant 360s. That's yep. number two. Number three, depending – now, this one is dependent on whether you know the hose is going in an inlet or an exhaust – they can do door control as long as they're not yep. using their air. And I know that's a rare one, but it's something to think about. That, absolutely. Uh, there's so much that RIT can do instead of just standing in the yard with a pike pole talking right. about what movie they're going to see this weekend. Yep. And the people that don't appreciate RIT have never suffered a loss. I don't. I wish I was not a member of the club of Lost uh, Brother Firefighter Club. I, I'd give anything not to have that membership, but I do. And I try to use that to help others. But I'm sure you understand you can be as passionate as you want and as factual as you want. But if they see it as something that's more of a nuisance, an obstacle than an opportunity, you're going to have you're going to have that problem. And then, God forbid, something should happen. And they, you should never run back for the, to the truck for anything. If you're on writ, you should never right. run back to the truck ever. You should have everything yeah. you need right there. I, I believe that's they my get soapbox. There. 
Yeah, I know. I, I, I love it. I love everything you're saying. Um, on arrival, the the uh, the, the writ officer should report face to face with the IC mm-hmm. uh, and get a quick what's going on. Tell me what's happening. Paint me a picture. Uh, get permission. Run a 360 if if we're not at Walmart, you know. Right. And uh, uh, and then brief run the 360 with the team. Identify objects that could become hazards, things that could inhibit us. If you walk around back, is it? Is it two stories in front and three stories in back? Oh, you know, like P- Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. yeah, and and stuff like that. Now, the the thing too is that if we make it a, and Colin used to tell me, Joe, this is a proactive position. We need to promote it as a proactive position, and get people to buy in. And one of the ways I do that, Jake, is when I when I get to go out and speak to groups and everything, especially a chiefs group. I like to, I like to ask three questions, and I'll kind of paraphrase them because I don't have them written here on my PowerPoint or anything. But the first question is, how confident are you in your members' abilities to rescue? Uh, how confident are you are you are you with your members' training in uh, rapid intervention and rescuing one of our own? And they all sit there and they nod, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a drill on that. Second question is, how confident are you? that if it was a member of your own part, department who needs your RIT team, that they would make a heroic uh, and capable FU, uh, FU effort, excuse me, to save the life of that member. And they all nod, yep, 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 yep. And then the third question is the hard one. You would, without any hesitation, put your own son or daughter's life into the hands of that rapid intervention crew. And that's when they don't nod, and that's when they don't say anything, and that's when they look down at the table. That's amazing. They, it, but it's the truth, man. Yeah, it's the truth. And the other thing is, I, I like to point out, and again, I, I speak for the smaller departments. If I'm in Chicago, I'm in Indianapolis, I'm in New York. The one thing they all have that we don't have is they got a lot of firefighters, a lot of bodies they can throw at that rescue. Mm-hmm. The rest of us don't. And that's why our skills, you know, the what I call the basics of RIT, they need to be sharp. Yeah. And, you know, the basics of RIT, that's the funny thing. They're all skills we possess on everyday fires. They're just turned slightly inward for us. You know, um, our our victims aren't going to have air packs on, so we don't have to deal with that. But how hard is it to learn how to transfill, buddy breathe, or use a RIT pack? Right. It's really not that hard. we, we being expeditious, you know, like here's one of the training scars I've created in the past. We got a down firefighter. He needs air. His air mask is broke, whatever I came up with. And they're in there. And I'm like, come on, we got to get that mask on him. Now I know, look, if you can get some air to him, get him out. Don't. That's right. If you got time, great. But let's pretend like you don't. If if their mask is broken and there's a little bit of air going in there, have somebody hold it. Just Move get him the hell out of there, man. Get you out bet. of there. Let's work with him outside. That's right. Um, but uh, it's I think it's too important. Uh, and here's the thing. It's one of those things. You you don't you don't want to find out how terrible you are at writ on a fire. You just don't. You really no. don't. No, and and it's God forbid it happens. It's going to happen at the most inopportune time. Many times with people who really aren't capable. I I like to say, you know, is it is it you who are capable and Mo, Larry, and Curly standing out there as the writ? Or are there four strong, capable firefighters who are ready to make the effort to try and save your life? Because that's the other thing. 
They might not save your life, but they're good. we want someone who can really make that effort because things could go bad. Right. And we all, I mean, that's a, that's reality. So I, I, I just, I can't say enough about it. Uh, I hammer on it to this day. Um, I take teams out and we teach it. Uh, I personally, at my age, I don't do a lot of the physical things, but my job is to, uh, is to motivate, inspire and kick butt with the students. And, <laughs> and it really is. And say, what do you mean? Come on, for God's sake, you're 27 years old and you can't lift that guy. That's crap. Don't tell me you can't lift them. Get in shape and do your job. And nice. that's, that's my job. Yeah. It, you know, and I, I've had this conversation here before. And of course my, my three point firefighter, the three points are pride training and physical fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about being so prideful in your job that you wax your truck every day. I'm not talking about uh, physical fitness to where you can bench press 500 pounds. And I'm not talking about training to where you wake up at three in the morning and you're pulling holes, going up the stairs, flowing at two and a half. I truly believe to be a better firefighter, you can take those things and do small things every day. And it's going Mm -hmm. to do leaps and bounds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rit, Rit, you don't have to have three companies to practice RIT. You can practice RIT in your own. You can have one engine in your own bay. It's a, it's a rainy day, a cold day maybe. You can still practice RIT. Tell me how you would tell a single company, four people, they're in the bay. It's a cold, rainy day. They're staying inside. What are some of the things they can do to improve their RIT skills there? What I would say to you is in order to improve our skills, you're going to need, I like three people, three members to do this. Rotate as the victim. If you have more, great. The, the first thing I'm going to tell you before we get into any skills is go out and buy some masonite and put it on the apparatus floor. Because if you drag those bottles on that that uh, on that concrete, you're going to wreck you're going to wreck the fiberglass coatings, and you're going to have to write a dear chief letter. You need a new one thousand dollar SCBA. So here, here are the things I think that are most important, and three members can do this. Number one. Uh, a, a single a single firefighter drag. We all have to be able to do that. I, right. I come, I find you. The the room is the fire is rolling over our heads. I got to have the the strength and skill to at least drag you out of the door, close the door, and put you up against the wall. Then call a mayday. Right. Second thing is the two firefighter uh, rescue. Whether it's the push pull or side by side drag. Side by sides are hard in most homes. So I, I really believe in the push-pull. You, I think you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a major believer in webbing, major league. Um, I believe that we all should be carrying 25 feet of webbing, one-inch tubular, water-knotted. I can do wonders with that. If, uh, if, if, you're, if, again, I'm with you and I can't move you, I can wrap that around your shoulders. I can wrap it through your your SCBA harness. I mm-hmm. can wrap it around your ankles if you're falling forward on me. Go back to the door, sit with my feet against the jams of the door, and with a rowing motion, I can pull you out of that room. Right. Okay? I can use right. it to make a harness that two firefighters and one firefighter can do. Redirections, I call it the spins. We're all going to need to be able to do that because if I drag you to the window and you're going out feet first, I got to have a method to be able to get you out the window. Um, Simple things like, how do I lift you out? And there are two ways I like for ladder carries. One is the cradle. We all know that. And the guy and the member goes out. I say, guy, forgive me. The member goes out. 
Uh, and as a firefighter, you know, arms through the leg, um, arms through the legs, arms under the thing. But we have that issue of that SCBA bottle. And you got a short guy like me with short arms. I'm hanging on by my fingertips on the beams. One of the methods that Bobby Hoff taught me was, and I named it the Chicago carry, um, is they, right before we put you out, we strip the SCBA off you, seat you on the, lift you, seat you on the sill, drop you on the rest of his shoulders, and he carries you down like that. It's lickety split. These, to me, are things that every one of us can be practicing, including those lifts, because you can make a window prop. It's not right. the ladder. We know how to carry people on ladders. It's the lifting skills. And we need to develop techniques, you know, the ready, ready, go, and none of this, you know, on your mark, get set, or one, two, three. I mean, real, real hard skills. Um, not, think of it. Here you go, tie a, uh, a handcuff knot. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, we might need it. When was the last time you tied it? Oh, eight years ago in recruit. Dumb, dumb stuff like that. Calling a mayday. It's yeah. not the hard written skill. Calling a mayday. Work them up, sweat them up, stick them in a dark corner, and say, "Oh, call a mayday right now." And, and it's just—it's not hysterical. It's sad to watch them struggling to find and find their to find their radio, and then they can't—you uh, can't hear them talking and stuff like that. So those, I think, a company right now could be practicing stuff like that every day or every shift. Not all of it. One shift is the drags. Another shift is the uh, SCBA removal. We might have to drag them through studs. Now, let me ask you about this. When you say SCBA removal, are you keeping their mask on? Or yeah. You, okay. So, you, and they're still hooked in breathing air. You're just taking their SCBA off to help them navigate the confined spaces? Yes, both. Okay. Actually, both. If we were going to have to take the mask off, how do you very quickly remove it? Okay, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you, take you to the window, strip your SCBA, and for whatever reason, you're not going out. Uh, maybe you, maybe it's a big guy and we got to put you on the shoulders to carry you down. Right. So that's a method and it's, you're going to be in talk, toxic crap for with skill 10, 10, 15 seconds. Um, but otherwise it's to get going through narrow confines, wall breaches. Think about how you, how you going to take it off them. And you hear everything from take a knife to cut it, to sit them up and take it off. And it, it, it's, it's silly because it takes, too much time. And back to my first words I told you, they hammered it to me. Rapid, rapid, rapid. Get the member out. Get them to medical care. Right. Well, that's another thing that I think that I have failed as a training officer is after we do these rapid intervention team drills, once they pull them out, I say, okay, you're done. I think I, what I need to do is say, okay, they're, they're, they have no pulse. They're not breathing. And have them continue because what would we do in real life? We would strip off all their clothes, start CPR, get yeah. them oxygen. So that's something. Um, yes. With a writ, writ, you know, you should have a, a BLS bag there on your writ with your writ team as well. So some of the things that I've learned over the years as well. Um, what what is your your thought on like thermal imaging and and the specific type of search to go? So let's just say the point I'm trying to make is to say I'm down in a fire. You're coming to get me. Okay, now I'm not on a line. I was, do, I was doing truck work, so I'm not on a line. You have a general okay. idea. So I've heard people say, man, the tried and true left, left hand, right hand search. Uh, me personally, I don't believe in that one. I think that one could be, go away. Uh, but what do you think? What are your, what, how are you going to get I, me? I, I, I was taught RASP, Rope Assisted Search Procedure out of the Chicago. And mm -hmm. I, 
No, I did never work for Chicago, and and they don't pay me to say that, but uh, (laughs) uh, it's a phenomenal technique. And what I like about the rasp is that we're not doing our traditional primary left-hand, right-hand search. We're we're beelining to where we're supposed to be going, and we have that, that piece of rope that will guide us safely back to where we began if we're using the procedure properly. Okay. As part of as part of RASP, you, you learn how to use your camera. And the camera, you, you pretty much, you're really sweeping low in front of you. The guy could be right in front of you. Right. And then you kind of scan ahead. And as you're as we're scanning ahead, depending, depending on the facility, you might spot, say we're in a commercial building, an office. So we, we, we target it. We crawl down without holding the camera in front of us. Okay. Uh, no tunnel vision. Get to the office, scan the office. If we can't see, I can send a member into the room with a camera and watch them. Check behind the desk. Okay, clear. You can, if you have four members, if I'm doing that, they can leapfrog to the next right? uh, and and move forward and stuff like that. The the one thing I want to say about thermal imaging is we have a problem. And here's the problem in the fire service. When we practice thermal imaging, the majority of us, it's on the apparatus floor, or we go to the burn building or whatever. But it never, they typically, we're never putting the camera in the type of heat where the body is cold and the surroundings are hot. So if we were using black and white, you know, put the camera on you, you're going to appear dark. If we're in a burn building or a real fire, you're going to appear white mm-hmm. or light. And we're not practicing that way. So in a way, in our own way, we're training backwards and and no one's no one's talking about that well i shouldn't say no one some are i am and a few others right um yeah so i think the thermal camera is 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 imperative in a writ search Ish, other issues you're going to find is that um um if the member is a ceiling collapse mm-hmm. it's not an x-ray machine it's you're going to have problem you're going to have a problem finding them right um that that um, that report everyone around your area uses ReCOVS, not Reci. Excuse me, um, blank. We use LIP, location identification problem. Right. Okay, out here and uh, um, scratch ReCOVS. I'm so sorry, I said that's that. old school ReCOVS. <laughs> yeah, I know. My all these acronyms. Um, I know. We love our acronyms. We do. But the thing is, if I'm able to call and tell you, oh, yeah. I'm on ladder one and we had, a, you know, I'm trapped under a collapse, ceiling collapse. The rescue company or the Rick company knows I'm not going to be just laying around. I'm going to be under something. Right. So they use, they should be using that as a clue. Yeah. I, I'm very fortunate. I have learned from some of the best, uh, a lot of great thermal imaging tricks. Uh, I say, I say tricks, limitations really. Uh, and once you learn a limitation of something, you can learn how to work around it. Uh, yes. And truly blessed to be one of the instructors for the ISFSI basement fire class. And I have taught wow. uh, their thermal imaging. But then I met the man himself, Mike McCarthy, captain out of Boston, uh, who is mm. phenomenal. I mean, I don't I, I can't think of the words. They escape me. I don't have the words of how good this guy is as an instructor. But um, he taught me an awful lot about thermal imaging, for example. You know, uh, the, the spot temperature in the middle of a thermal imager. 
yeah, uh, yeah. that if it's it, studies have proven that's pretty much inaccurate in, in the new 1801, they may even get rid of it. But like you could be looking at a carpet and it's 85 degrees. Now, if you peel back the carpet and you look at the uh, insulation, that might be 100 degrees. Now, let's yeah. say you can peel that back and you're, you're looking at the OSB subflooring. That might be 212 degrees. Yep. The whole time, it's over 1,200 degrees underneath you. Yeah. Um, and that's important to know. Uh, it's a 2D uh, screen and your brain likes three dimensions. So you're always going to be short uh, you know, uh, of your object if you keep using it. So one of the drills that, that we teach is I will have a thermal imaging camera and I will be looking at you. You're standing about six feet away from me. I'm looking straight at you. You have your hand in a C, like a C right beside your head. I'm holding right. the ax and I'm putting the handle of the ax into your hand and only using a two-dimensional thermal imaging camera screen. And it takes me a while to do that because my brain doesn't understand the two dimensions versus three dimensions. So it takes a while. But if I do it two or three times, I get faster and faster. And then I have people drop the thermal imaging camera and then they just go pop, pop it in the hand. And I say, okay, you're, you're doing sets and reps with your brain. Now do it again. And on that fourth time through the thermal imaging camera, they've moved already so much faster. Because their brain is learning. There's a limitation. It's a two-dimensional screen trying to work in a three-dimensional world. I so love it. Those, again, all stuff that I was taught by Mike McCarthy and, and yep. Gilbert Pedroza and, and all those before them, they, they will never tell you they invented any of this stuff. Uh, they've just learned it from good instructors. So um, I think that we is need, so important. We need more training like that. There's not enough of that out there. No, sir. People Absolutely turn it not. on and look around and that's it. Uh, yeah. They don't realize just turning it 90 degrees gets you a better field of view. Yeah. When, I, when yeah. I show that, people are like, oh, my goodness, that's that's amazing. Um, yeah. And I hate all the modes. I'm going to be the first one to put it out there. I hate all the modes. Give me black and white. <laughs> that's all I need. I don't need sing to, it to the choir, man. Well, yeah, here's your salvage overhaul ice cream mode. You know, it's yeah. like you don't need six blades on your your razor. You don't need pineapple on your pizza and you don't right. need all those bullshit modes on thermal imaging. Stick to what Agreed. works, black and white. And you know what the problem is with that? Look at our, our younger members. They're all tech savvy. They got this, okay? Yes. Everything's yes. an app. You give them something with, with a button with 37 modes, they're more focused on what mode they're using in there right. than, what, than doing their job. And I agree. Now, I will say this. MSA has a uh, – they all have a lot of modes. But one mode MSA has, and I believe they still are the only ones, is I call it reversing the polarity. Mm -hmm. So for training – the colors reverse. So you're training as you would really see it. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. neat. Yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah. really neat. We yeah. like to uh, also, because um, a lot of people don't understand the high sensitivity, low sensitivity settings on these things. Yeah. And so we'll have a burn barrel and have them look at the burn barrel. And of course, it goes from high sensitivity. I call it high def because everybody understands high def TV. You look at it and once it hits over that 325, 350 mark, it goes into low def, right? Yeah. And yeah. I teach them how to reset that, but you're just looking straight down at something that's not 350 degrees. So all this stuff, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, what can we do in in the uh, firehouse on a cold, rainy day? Yeah. yeah. Just simple exercises like that with yes, thermal sir. imaging. And, and I would like to add one thing with that. I, I have a new um, mantra, no one and done. Okay. If I'm going to teach you a skill, okay, uh, Jake, drag drag uh, uh, the guy over here, drag him 10 feet. 
Okay, you got it. Yeah, I'm all set, Joe. How can you learn anything doing it once right. over and over and, and progress it, progress it from uh, to the point that maybe they're blacked out. Everyone's on air and doing all we, we have to hammer it and we have to, with our writ skills, incorporate them into other drills or at the end of a drill, do some dragging, do some stair carries. I didn't mention that. If you have oh, stairs, yeah. in the that, I mean, that that's a tough, tough drill. It and, is. Um, the key to that, though, if I can interrupt you, is hmm. communication. It is so – if you can communicate with that person, if I'm yep. pulling and you're pushing and we're doing it at the wrong time, we're going we're gonna to kill ourselves. That's but right. But if, if we know and we've practiced this skill, uh, I th it's still miserable. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's just like Absolutely. having a first wife, man. You get your first wife, you can go to therapy all day long, but it still sucks. So, we're, you know, we're that first one. But uh, – uh, I, I really, truly believe that good communication, well, in everything we do, but talking about stairs, you can do it. It can be done. And communicating, yes, and you'd be surprised what a three-second break can do for you. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you got three seconds, <laughs> whew, all right, do it again. Do it again. You will go a lot faster up those stairs unless you, as opposed to trying to bull your way up there. Absolutely. Hey, Jake, one of the things I'd like to, because I, I know we, we – I could I could stay online with you for about eight hours, and we we'd have Same. a running conversation. Same, fell in love with you when I first met you, brother. I get it. I get <laughs> I, it. I, I want to talk about this. Okay? okay, this is my book, the newest one for fire engineering. Okay, it's entitled "Managing Risk in the Volunteer Fire Department." It should have been, and it's my fault. I wish I had entitled it "Managing Risk on the Volunteer Fire Ground." Okay, and, and this we talk about saving people and rapid intervention. To me, this is a spin-off of that because we we need to understand and we don't risk. We're not invincible. That sticker that says no fear, <laughs> that's a joke. You should be scared <laughs> to death. Okay. The one with the skull and crossbones and the pirate and then the helmets and all that saying, we don't care about dying. I haven't met anyone yet who has told me, yeah, I really want to die at a fire. <laughs> um, but what, what's happening is we don't understand risk. Okay. Right. Especially in the smaller groups. Um, it's, it's always been presented in a very, uh, um, academic way. Mm -hmm. If you look at a lot of the, look at, read 1500, uh, not 1500, read the writ standard blank. Right. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's nuts. You, it's written by lawyers and okay. I understand that, but I'm not an attorney and I don't understand a lot of that gobbledygook to me. If I really, if I'm, if I'm on a small department, whether it be career or otherwise, I mean, Around here, we're surrounded with career departments with 30 and 40 members. That's still a small team. All right. We need to understand the number one secret to risk is training. Yep. Okay. And that's what this book is all about. And it talks about how to assess risk and all that. But we, we have to understand, besides looking at something and saying, What's, what am I at risk of? The house is burning or the building's burning or the, the trees collapsed on the roof and whatever. Any of those things. Okay, understand what the risk is. But also, we need to understand it's our training that will help us to stay safer and to mitigate these situations. And by blowing off training and, and, and babying 
baby, uh, take the training and baby it down. You know, this is all we need or any, I, I can't stand this stuff. It drives me nuts. I don't care if I'm in the smallest fire department in the world. The fire is going to kill and burn me the same way as it is a guy in a big city. Uh, and, yeah. 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 I, I, there is a, how can I say this? There is a firefighter I may have met who may be a training officer whose chief may like to baby down training uh, because there's less griping. Now, yeah. this could be completely hypothetical. This may not have ever happened. Just <laughs> hypothetically speaking, that could have okay. happened. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and it's it's heartbreaking because people like that, that don't support training, and don't see the importance of training are setting their people up to die or get injured yes, in a fire. Those yes, people will not be in the fire dead. Those people that are making the decisions about training yes, will not be in the basement in a collapse. Yep. Yep. They'll be the ones on the news saying, oh, what a tragedy. This is horrible that it happened to us. Yes, sir. Oh, I, I get on my soapbox about that. Oh, I'm biting my tongue because I I want to say they should be charged, but I won't say that. <laughs> it's you know, and it's it's my experience has been in in quite a few places that training, not all places, but not all places, okay. Uh, and I'm bringing up uh, a small group, but a loud group is that training is an obstacle, not an opportunity, and right. those people are basing their success on lack of failure. I promise you, if any one of those people fell through a hole and really had to pray to their God and and get on the radio and tell them, just in case, my, tell my family I love them, I promise you, the very next day, if they survived, they would be all about training. You they bet. would get it. But here's the trick. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be near death to enjoy, not even enjoy it, but do it learning. Master your craft because it's not just your life. It's everybody on the scene. You bet. Soapbox. I'm getting mad. I think I'm going to go punch a teddy bear or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're getting me wired up here and fired up. <laughs> I um, I will say this. During the Second World War, there were there was no such – you would never find an atheist in a foxhole. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't find in the Second World War, but um, I was told that by many people I knew. And and it's the same with Rick. Yep. Okay, because that guy who's or gal who's had to pull their regulator out of their mouth and they're sucking air from the rug. It's praying to God that the people coming for them have been properly trained and have the skills and motivation to right. try and save their lives. And that's all part of this. It, it's it's infuriating to me. It, the other part of it is, is why haven't they taken rapid intervention and made it part of the 1001 professional qualifications, the skills of RIT? You tell me. Yeah. You tell me. Yeah, it's change. That's why. Change. We don't want change. Yeah. Oh, no. No, 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 no. And, and the people that do want change have, have suffered or endured a traumatic mm -hmm. injury or loss in this yeah. job. This job wants to kill you. Fire never wants to let you go. Fire. The, the house on fire doesn't want to stay standing up. Gravity and the fire want that house on top of you. And the fire doesn't want you to be comfortable in your gear. The fire doesn't. The fire wants to kill you. The only thing that's going to keep that fire from killing you is being a master at your craft and giving Absolutely. two fucks about our job. And our job is not us. It's them. That's right. Hey, before I forget, too, I, I warned you. I want to plug. We're on uh, uh, Instagram. All right. If you can see it. Pull it okay. back a little bit. Okay. CSA Fire Training. Fire Training on Instagram. 
Yes. And uh, I have this, I have this, um, I call him my, um, my fire service son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I'm his step fire service stepdad, a young <laughs> man named Jason Bangma. And you might've heard of him. He's I well know known. Jason Bangma. He is one of my heroes. Yeah, absolutely. And Jay, Jay has set that up and we're, as we're doing more and more training, we're going to start trying to get very, very active on it and showing some of the things that we're doing. Um, and I think, I think uh, our brothers and sisters might find it of interest. So please, please follow us. And show, tell us the, the name of your book again, your new book, and where and, to get it. Yeah, it's Managing Risk in the Volunteer Fire Service, mm-hmm. and it's by Fire Engineering Books, and it's a bargain. I guarantee it really you. It really is. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. Brother it, Netter, it, this has been a treat for me. You got me all fired up. I got to go yeah. outside and, and, and yell in a pillow. I'm so mad right now <laughs> about people not taking the job seriously. Brother, you are the best. I look forward to seeing you again in the future. I know where you're going to be next April, so you know I'll track you down. For sure. I'm there, man. Brother, stay safe, and thank you for what you do for all of us. Thank you. You also. Thank you. Stay safe, brother.